This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Welcome to another edition of the Edge of Innovation. Today we're talking with Jeremiah Smith with Simple Tiger. He's the founder and CEO, and you're an SEO company. So are you responsible for all the emails that I get asking me about SEO and broken English? <laughs> no comment. Okay, no, no comment. Yeah, no, we definitely aren't responsible for those, but I know a lot of companies in our industry are, and it's kind of part of the bad side of this whole industry. I find myself kind of having to be the ambassador of the search engine optimization industry to companies and people all the time, letting them know the truth about search and things like that. So, yeah, I, I will apologize for those vendors in my industry that send those mass uh, spam emails. <laughs> well, I, but I think, you know, I, we get a lot of emails. And in the past, you know, if you've gotten emails for all sorts of different things, whether it be, you know, certain medicines or whatever. But there must be a tremendous appetite out there if people are sending spam emails for it. You don't send out spam if you're a spammer on something that nobody's going to buy, you know, so you wouldn't send a, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example of something stupid to send spam about, but just about anything is going to be something that there's a huge desire for and a need for. And so you're an expert in SEO and you've been doing this a while. We'll have contact information in the show notes so you can get in touch with Jeremiah or his company. But I wanted to get your opinion on, we'll, we'll talk about what SEO is and, you know, in a, in a detailed way and your sort of unique approach to that. But before we get into all those details and, and how you've built an organization to help people manage that, what is the promise of SEO? SEO, for people that are listening, just to remind you, is search engine optimization. So, if I go off the rails here, stop me, but let's just, let's start. <laughs> this is the thing. So search engine optimization. So Google's a search engine, Bing, and are there any others? Yes, there are a few more, et cetera. But those mm -hmm. are the ones that primarily people use. And they search. That's an engine that goes out and helps you find things on the internet. So if you want to find, you know, I want to, I want to find what's the best food for my hamster. I can type that query into a search engine and then get a response back. As you can imagine, there's a lot of power in the people who own or run the search engine because they can bring up this pet food or this pet food or a generic pet food that you can make in your own kitchen for your hamster. So we want to optimize the experience, but that doesn't sound like it's optimizing it for Google. It doesn't sound like it's making it better on behalf of Google or it's making it better on behalf of Bing, but it's making it better on what I want people to find. So if I make the best hamster food in the world, I'd come to you and say, can you help me with my search engine optimization? And I know you don't focus on hamsters or even animals or what you're going to talk <laughs> about that in a minute. But really, what's what's sort of the core of what are we trying to do? What are we trying to optimize? Sure. So I think um, a really good explanation for search engine optimization and why it's valuable is when you uh, – Years ago, I heard marketing broken down into two camps, and it was really cool to see this. One camp is called push marketing, and the other camp is called pull marketing, push versus pull. So the idea with push marketing is that you've got to go out there and you've got to get in people's faces. You've got to get in their way. You've got to interrupt them. So think of interruption 
marketing. So it's another way of saying push marketing is interruption. You're interrupting the flow of something. Billboards on the highway, commercials on television, radio announcements, things like that. Those are all interruption types of marketing. Now, that carries a negative connotation with it, interruption or push. That kind of, you know, sounds a little rough, but it works. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not hating it. I just want to understand, mm-hmm. I want you to understand that's a, that's a connotation. Now, at the same time, on the other end of things, we have pull marketing. And within pull marketing, you actually have an audience that is actively seeking out something, right? So they're trying to find something. So with pull marketing, you have things like, well, search engines are probably the, the single primest, easiest example for me to make. But I would say maybe phone books are another example. You know, people actively go into phone books to look up a plumber or something like that back in the day. Okay. And, and there are other types of pull marketing. If people are interested in receiving emails from you and, and they want to get more content or they want to learn more from you and so that they sign up to receive emails on your website, that's permission-based pull marketing. Seth Godin kind of wrote a book years ago called Permission Marketing, right. and it's all about about that pull side of marketing. So I liked SEO right away because it falls into that secondary camp of pull marketing. I like it because it just made sense to me. If I if I need to go buy something or I'm, I'm really interested in something and I go Google it, I am very engaged in learning more about it. And I'm very likely, I'm a self-directed type person when it comes to making a lot of decisions and things like that, buying decisions and education and stuff like that. And I've, I've quickly realized that I'm not alone in that, that a lot of people, and as a matter of fact, the masses at large are moving more towards that self-directed research and buying decision mentality, uh, which is a shift from kind of the old way of things. And so SEO just kind of stuck out to me because it's promise. You asked earlier, what's the promise of SEO? It's promise is to deliver highly targeted audience directly to your door, directly to your product or your service offering or your business. And I just saw that as extremely valuable and thought, I think every business ought to be doing something in regards to SEO and and working with Google in some way. Now, I'd love to get into the mechanics of SEO here in a moment, if that makes sense to you, but I'm going to let you decide that. I think it does, but I want to draw out that example you gave that 30 years ago, if you needed hamster food to beat the analogy to death, you would go to the yellow pages and look up pet food. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't necessarily be able to look under a category called hamster food. Right. You might have pets and then rodents or whatever it is. So what's evolved with, and I'm asking this to you know sort of get your confirmation here, is that now we have an infinite yellow pages that can have as many sections as it wants. Because I remember in the yellow pages way back in a galaxy far, far away that people would list their company under multiple headings because let's say you're a cleaner and you do business cleaning and you do house cleaning so you would be in both sections of the phone book and they would charge you for each one of those listings now Mm -hmm. the world's changed the disruption that's occurred with the internet is that now there aren't any headings i mean there were directories early on but now those are sort of gone and now i can search organically to the very specific thing i want a cleaner a house cleaner that cleans a certain brand of windows and they're the expert on that and i could actually ask that question. So what is your thought on that? Is that right? Or is that a good analogy? So as our listeners can sort of latch on to that and say, okay, that's what I'm thinking about. SEO is just listing under the headings, or is it like the old yellow, yellow pages, or is it something more than that? Yeah, it's something significantly more than that, in my opinion, because uh, the in, what we're getting into now is what we call in the SEO industry, searcher intent. So we try to deduce, as, as an SEO person, I try to deduce what it is that a searcher wants by what they're searching. So for example, if I look up the word men's suit, 
you know very little about me except for that maybe either a i'm a man looking for a suit mm-hmm. or b i'm a woman looking for a suit for a man <laughs> right but uh or you're a woman that wants to be a man and wants to have a right suit anyway sure sure but you could see how the lines are blurred around what my intent might be sure and then if i am looking up a black pinstripe hugo boss men's suit you know size 42 long that's a very specific search and at least we have a much better idea now that this person is likely in the transactional phase. Now, there's an assumption there, but the assumption is strong based on the amount of data in that keyword search. That person's looking for a very specific suit. And so it's it's likely that when they find that, they're probably going to purchase it because of how specific it is. So I think with searcher's intent, what we find is some people are online to learn. Some people are still in the awareness phase of something. Maybe they're not quite in the awareness phase. And they're, you know, like, for example, I didn't know about this whole terminology around business process management software until we started working with a lot of SaaS companies. And we stumbled across a company that offers BPM software, business process management software. Well, I looked into that terminology and it had very low search volume. Very few people are actively searching for BPM or business process management software. However, after many, many conversations with this particular client and trying to figure out what is it that your software does? What is it that you're offering? What's the value that your end user is getting? They said, well, ultimately we build like web flows or or mind maps or diagrams. So it's kind of like a diagramming software Mm -hmm. to help you visualize or see business processes. And I was like, wow, actually that gives me a whole lot of other keywords to play with. So I started playing with those keywords and found massive amounts of search volume. And I realized that people were looking for business process management software. They just didn't know they were looking for that. They were using other keywords and they were not quite in the awareness phase of BPM software yet. Right. And so and so we had a challenge. We had to go out there and we had to actually target them with the keywords they're using and help them bridge the gap to understanding that, hey, by the way, what you're looking for is BPM software. And so I think searcher intent is a very interesting thing. It's fun to play around with, but I think that that comes down to how users interact with the search engine. And we have to keep an eye on that if we want to do a good job in business doing SEO, because we ultimately have to follow the users and try to provide for them what they're looking for. We could go very technical very quickly here, and I want to avoid that initially, but I do think some of that would be interesting. So the success of SEO is for you to bargain with Google that when somebody types in, use the business process management, they type Mm -hmm. in business process management and you are going to pay Google to display your result. Mm. All right. So you're bringing up a really good point here. Now that's, I've got to differentiate what that is from what SEO is. Cause sure. with S with SEO, we are not paying Google anything. We're not affiliating with Google right. in any way. What we're attempting to do. And, and I know you were setting that up yep. for me because a lot of people have that question around, well, I, how much does it cost to get into Google and stuff like that? Well, that's not exactly how it works. So the idea with paying Google is to run ads in Google. So, Whenever you do a search in Google, the ads run across the top there and they say ad and tiny text underneath. Those are what we call PPC or pay-per-click ads. And when I refer to doing that type of marketing, I call it generally paid search. So the whole idea with paid search is that you can grab a handful of keywords, you can create some ads, you can set up some targeting, like I want to target users in the US, for example. And then you have an account in Google, Google ads, and you say, Google, here's 
here's the deal. I've got 300 bucks a week. I would like to target users in the U.S. for this handful of keywords, and I want to show them these ads. And then Google comes back and says, okay, you're probably going to pay about this many dollars per click or this much cents per click in order to display that ad. And every time somebody clicks on the ad, you're going to pay a, a click fee. And so ultimately what that does is that helps you kind of force your website in front of your target audience that is actively searching your keywords, but in an advertising way. So this is still, I, this is kind of like at the gray zone between push and pull marketing, in my opinion, because you're still running this advertisement that is somewhat interruptive in, in terms of its process. But at the same time, it wouldn't be there if the person didn't search for something through kind of a pull technique. So I don't really know exactly how to categorize that. I'm sure somebody else out there can fix that for me. But I think it's right in that little gray area. Whereas with SEO, your listing shows up organically, and we call it organic because there is a an algorithm, there is a process for determining where your site ought to rank. And that process is not something that we directly control. It's something that we indirectly allow to happen. So Google is going to crawl your website, it's going to index it, and then it's going to compare your website to a bunch of other domains that also say they do the same kind of thing, that use the same kind of keyword, talk about the same kind of stuff on their sites. And so Google has to decide, well, which one of these makes the most sense for this keyword? And Google makes the decision organically on their own. And therefore, you can't completely control how you show up in Google for certain keywords organically, but you can strongly influence how you show up in Google. And so that's the idea with SEO. The major difference in terms of the output and the outcome to you, the business or the company engaging in, in either one of these types of tactics is that users commonly understand when they're clicking on an ad that they are clicking on an advertisement and they carry a bias that I can't trust someone who's trying sure. to sell me. Right. And so that comes with clicking on an ad, whereas users inherently trust the results that are coming up organically in Google because they don't think about them being A, manipulated or influenced in any way, or B, definitely not being paid to be there. And so they trust those results a little bit more. So your conversions tend to be a lot better on those organic clicks. So that's another attractive okay. element. So you bring to light that, let me see if I summarize this right, that SEO and your job is to influence the ranking as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So when Google reads your website or the website you're working on, you want mm -hmm. to, I'll use the crass words, you want to trick Google, you want to manipulate them, whatever those words are, to ranking your site higher than somebody else that has the same product interest. Yes. Yeah, that's ultimately it. You could use the word trick. I, I think that's fine. But I really like the term influence because influence can be negative or positive depending sure. on what you're doing and your intention. That but regardless, is a, but that's a constant ongoing battle. It's not something that you can mm -hmm. set today and then tomorrow the, that same influence. So because it's, it's a cat and mouse game in a lot of ways because Google changes the way they judge things. Right. No, you're totally right on that. Yeah, it is an ongoing effort. There are some elements and some things that you can do to where once you get to, I don't want to say a plateau because it doesn't do a good justice to, to what's happening here, but once you get to a certain step, maybe think of a staircase, you get to a certain step that was difficult for you to get to, sometimes you can kind of just relax and hang out at that step fairly easily with mm -hmm. minimal input. And then in order to continue up the up the staircase, you got to put in more effort and you got to keep climbing. And then also you have to remember that competitors are walking up right. that staircase at the 
the same time. And right. so sometimes they're going to walk in front of you. And if they're standing in front of you, what that means is you're going to have to take a step back down to get out of their way. And so in Google, if there are 10 listings on the search result page, there are only 10 listings there. So if you're number three and then some other competitor moves up to number three, guess what? You're either number two or, you know, either number yeah. four, which is bad, you fell down, or you are working really hard and you outpace them. So you're number two. So now you're in front of them. But there's a shuffle that happens. It's natural and it's very competitive depending on the industry that you're in. So, yeah. The point I wanted to, uh, I agree with that. And the, the point I want to highlight to our listeners is the fact that this is not a one and done kind of solution ever, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you, you get Jeremiah to do the work or you get one of those spam emails to do the work. It, and I think one of the things that the spam emails on SEO make it feel like it's something I can buy. It's not like buying a jar of peanut butter and, okay, I got it. I'm done. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. And and companies can do SEO in-house. This is another thing. You know, I run an agency. We sell this full-time, but I'm very open and honest about talking to people about the fact that if you're a small company, you can, uh, or even a large company, I mean, if you're any size company, there are things that you can do in-house to actually impact your rankings organically. And there's powerful things that you can do in-house. I think producing content is probably one of the most important things. And types of content that you can produce today, if you run a business, if you deal with anyone in the sales process, process where you're trying to sell your product or service or offering of any type and you deal with objections or questions in the sales process. The next time you get a good question where you think, oh, that's a good question, I'm going to have to explain mm -hmm. that. And it's probably going to take me longer than a sentence or a, a few more words to explain. It's probably going to take me a paragraph or two to explain it. Write that question down and go ahead and answer the question for that person. When you get off the phone, write that question down and write a blog article answering that question and just advice. go through those kinds of questions and just write blog articles because then what happens is believe it or not people are actively googling those same questions mm -hmm. all over the place and if they're googling that question and then you've got that question answered on your blog it's very likely that you might show up in google and that you might be able to answer the question for someone where that was their final objection and after answering it they're like hmm this person has it figured out i think i'm gonna give them a shout and go ahead and guess what You've already answered their questions, right, right. so they're going to be real easy to close, right? So let's go back to the example of business process management. So on that website, are you? if I search for business process management, obviously, mm -hmm. and that's off target from what people are searching for, but do you mm -hmm. still rank in that for SEO? Yeah, we do still try to rank in that because it turns out that this particular client, they were trying to, and, and this is where we get kind of higher up into the realm of theory and marketing. They were trying to appeal, I think, too broadly to too broad of an audience. Mm -hmm. And so what they needed to do was actually personify their audience, which means to break their audience down into individual personas and say, this type of person here, we're going to call him Engineer Eric. And he's going to be the engineer at companies like IBM or Oracle or something like that. And then we've got small business Sam over here, and he actually is just running a small business and he wants to create nice processes and replicate them. So those are two good personas. Well, small business Sam was the one that's using the terminology around like visual diagramming or visual web maps and stuff like that. The real simple kind of more broad terms around what he's trying to get. Whereas engineer Eric was definitely the business process manager type of guy, even though only maybe 
50 to 100 people a month are searching business process management, which those are these are total hearsay numbers, by the way. I'm not mm -hmm. giving actual numbers out here. Even though very few people were searching business process management compared to diagramming software or something like that, the conversion value an IBM or an Oracle buying from this particular software company was worth potentially millions for one conversion. So the volume was not as important. It's okay that there are only 100 searches per month because if they could sell one of those, they're going to get a huge huge, huge amount of revenue. Whereas on the other end, the small business, Sam, he's going to pay five bucks a month for some web diagramming software. So you're going to need 10,000 conversions a month from that guy in order to, to see the same kind of value or something like that. So that's the idea there. Okay. So who is your target customer? Is it the ones that have a, a high value conversion or is it the one that have many small, low value conversions? That, that depends entirely on the business and the business model mm -hmm. that you that you seek to, to secure. So, for example, my my company. So we're we're an agency. We do SEO and we do it specifically for SaaS companies or software as a service companies. Right. Now there are so many different types of SaaS companies out there, but we found that for our target niche, we like to go after companies that typically have been established for longer than a year, typically a few years. They've done other types of marketing as well, and they're really just trying to broaden their their scope or their horizon of, of marketing techniques. So they, they have more faith in marketing, but they're not in that speculative phase necessarily of trying to find what works. They believe SEO will work. They've mm -hmm. seen some value from it, but they'd like to make a focused effort on it. Typically, they're funded with $5 million or, or above in, in annual revenue, something along those lines. So that's our typical target audience. So a conversion of that is very valuable for us, where at the same time, a lot of people are starting software companies or creating startups and tech-forward startups and trying to learn about SEO, and they're not valuable for us as a customer, but they have valuable concerns. They mm -hmm. could eventually turn into sure. the type of client that we want to work with. And so for us, those aren't as important for us to get on the phone with, but at the same time, I do still want to offer up some sort of product offering to them. So we're working on an online course to help small mm -hmm. software companies get from brand new funded, no marketing, no experience under their belt to a year into business with some strong marketing growth so that we can build them through education into the type of client that we actively want to then work with. And so that kind of gives you an idea of like how to personify your target audience and different businesses have different targets. For some industries, the volume is key. You have to have a high volume of customers. For other businesses, you only need a few conversions per year in order for you to really make, make your budget. Cool. Well, we've been speaking with Jeremiah Smith of Simple Tiger. He's an SEO expert and they're an SEO agency. As you can tell, there's a lot of value here in what he said. Have you been listening? We've been throwing out book names and different things you should go and look at. All of that will be in the show notes, so I encourage you to look there. You'll find links to Simple Tiger and a way to actually contact Jeremiah. Well, I want to thank you. Thank you for spending the time with us, and who knows? Maybe we'll have you back soon. That would be awesome. I'd be happy to come back. Thank you so much for everything, Paul. It was an honor to be here. All right. Thank you. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young 
in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.